Okay, motherfuckers. Uh, unexpected intro here. Before we jump into this long-ass mailbag episode where I cover as many of your emails as I can, I just wanted to tell you about a few things that are going on in and around the Traumatized Motherfuckers community. First up, the website is still under construction. If you go to t-mfrs.com, though, you'll be able to see a whole new site with a ton of information that I think you might want to check out. We've put a lot of work into it, and it has a ton of CPTSD basics available for anyone to check out in visual form if you're curious about the basis of CPTSD, triggers, and common symptoms and outcomes of traumatized upbringings. Take a look. You also might want to hit up the FAQ section, which is full of useful information about, yeah, trauma, and also this project, how to get started with the community, and to tap into all of the resources that have already been put out in the past mm, four years of doing this. While you're at it, you might want to take a look at the other big announcement for the month, which is our 31-day art challenge, which we are doing in collaboration with our friend, Ink and Thought Us over at Luminous Shadows Art. So the gist is, well, traumatized motherfuckers could use a little crowdfunding help to keep rolling. We're doing a challenge throughout the month of July to help uh, boost some funds, hopefully, in which you are encouraged to challenge yourself to make something every day. Then share your products with us as much as you want through the Instagram handles that have been provided, and we will be considering you a winner if you complete 26 out of 31 of the days. While you do it, throw a few bucks at the project to uh, honestly stop it from collapsing and, you know, also get into that flow state that helps us process things feel like our real full selves and tap into our creative expressive abilities when words just aren't doing the trick. You can find a lot of information about the 31 day art challenge over on the traumatized motherfuckers Instagram. That's traumatized.motherfuckers on Instagram. And I do encourage you to check out all of the other posts I've put there as well. I really do uh, channel quite a bit of effort into each and every one of them, no matter how controversial they may turn out to be. All right, that's it, everybody. I'll see you at the new t-mfrs.com. Remember, still a little under construction, but I think you'll like what you see. And I look forward to seeing what you create in this upcoming month of creativity for all of us fuckers. That's it, everybody. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. Cheers. All right, my fuckers. Welcome back to another mailbag episode in which I read out some of the messages that I've received and do my goddamn best to answer them in a semi-concise way. Reminder to all of y'all, 
I am not a therapist. Take anything that I say with a grain of salt, especially knowing that I only have very limited information to work with based on what y'all tell me. And of course, the story is always a lot more complicated than any email or DM could possibly relay. So let's pop in and tear through as many mailbag submissions as we can muster without anyone getting too overloaded. All right, lots to get through today, including some creative material shared by a motherfucker like you. Stay tuned, hope you enjoy it, and hope that you learn something along with the rest of the CPTSD crew. Now let's jump into this extra long mailbag episode. And thanks for all your submissions, y'all. It means a lot. Here we go. All right. So the first email I've got for you is a reply to the mailbag episode back in February, March, whenever we did the first mailbag around here. What is time? I don't know. They say, hello, Jess. Hope you're doing well. I wanted to say thank you so, so, so much for reading my story and just validating me, really. I was so shocked to hear it played out. I wasn't even going to listen as I've been listening to the 2020 sessions. So you can imagine, I don't know why I was just drawn to listen to that episode. I somehow started listening a few minutes in and thought, oh, wow, she sounds like me. Went back to the beginning and it was me. I can't say how grateful I am for your words. Being a fucker makes me giggle. You have been so helpful for me. I feel not so alone anymore, which is so comforting. I thought the same as you did when people don't reply to you that I'd written something offensive. To be honest, I couldn't remember what I had written. I'm going to share this with my general practitioner. I think it will help me. Thank you for the heads up re-trauma-informed therapists versus experienced ones. The other awful thing I've come to realize about myself is that I'm sure I have borderline personality disorder. It seems to come through in most relationships, including this one. It just makes absolute sense and I'm gutted. I'm worried about bringing it up with my general practitioner, but I will do it. Going to go listen to some more of your episodes now as I am in need today. Thank you so much for all you do for this cause. You work so bloody hard and we are massively grateful. Take care, Jess. Some fucker from Wales, yo. Well, you are so fucking welcome. Thank you for the kind words. And rest assured that uh, I do not remember most of the things that I write or say after I've stopped writing or saying them either. So no, no problem there. Trauma brain reaching out for help and probably kind of blocked out the fact that it even did that. Am I right? Um, secondly, I just wanted to say, look... As far as the borderline personality disorder, there's so much crossover between CPTSD and borderline that they're honestly pretty difficult to untangle. And it's my opinion, just mine, 
could be completely wrong. I'm sure that there are many people who will tell me that I am. I don't know that they actually are necessarily different things, right? Um, in most cases, I feel like the folks who have CPTSD also kind of have this deep feeling of being empty, being uh, emotionally abandoned all the time, um, drawing on this deep social wound of not having our needs met and continually trying to get them met now in the present through potentially unhealthy means that could include manipulation tactics. They're really not a leap from one diagnosis to the other, I guess is what I'm trying to say. They are such similar brain patterns. And personally, I think that's what is actually important and at least helpful or clarifying or holding the potential for healing in my view. I don't feel like diagnoses really fucking help anybody. And that's part of the reason why I do this show. People can tell you you are this thing and it doesn't matter. That explains mostly your symptoms, but it doesn't necessarily describe what your brain is doing or why or how to work with it. And so therefore, I really don't fucking understand the utility of um, psychological diagnostics, period, unless you can find the information that explains what's underlying the diagnoses, right? So my fucker, I would recommend that if you fear that you may have borderline personality disorder, which also... Oh, such a stigma attached to those words, right? Like to say, I fear that I have this is like, well, I don't know, you do or you don't. It's not really something to fear finding out if somebody would classify you that way. If you already know how things are presenting in your relationships, it doesn't really matter. But if you at all fear that you have borderline personality disorder, I would say that a lot of these relationship episodes that we've been going through and a lot of the prior ones, keep in mind this podcast has been rolling weekly or even more often than that for three years now, we have talked about relationships quite a bit. And I think they would probably really help you to tune into those. Um. They are written from a CPTSD perspective, which I admit in those episodes is probably very borderline-ish in the way that I'm accounting things and explaining things. So I genuinely hope that you can maybe let go of some of the judgment and the fear around being borderline. Uh, understand that, my fucker, I really think it's most of us who have the CPTSD labels already slapped on our heads. We have the similar patterns. Whether a practitioner would diagnose us that way or not, it's up to the practitioner. You know, it doesn't mean that we don't have similar programming going on between the two diagnoses. So I just wouldn't get too hung up on it if I was you. I would try to recognize what all of it is actually speaking to 
which is having those unfulfilled, unmet human needs that should have been cared for early in life, but because they were not and because you were in some way taught to shame yourself and blame yourself and consider yourself wrong or broken or incapable of connection, that is what creates all of the tumult in our relationships that generally starts pinging that borderline personality disorder label. So just don't worry about it too much. Um, worry about taking care of what's inside of you. All right. Um, if there's anything else that I can say to you or help you with, just let me know. But know that uh, at least one fucker over here and probably a whole community of them in the private blanket fort community hear your message and we are just simply nodding our heads and raising our hands and saying, yeah, that's, that's us. So you're home, you are accepted and please don't fear your own self. That's what keeps us shutting down pieces of ourselves and keeping wounds hidden from our consciousness which keeps us stuck in place and unable to do the healing that we really need to do. All right. That's enough. Uh, hit me up if you've got more questions and know that we're here with you. Take care out there. And I hope that a trauma experienced therapist is able to expand greatly on the very short little biddle that I have given you here. That's it. Cheers, my friend. And I hope I'll talk to you again. All right. This next message came to me through Instagram DMs, which I invite y'all to contact me through, but also know that I do not use social media. So um, can't say it's probably going to be the most fulfilling back and forth experience if that's what you're expecting. But I still welcome your messages. This one says, Hey Jess, my name's Kim. My sister sent me your podcast since we both have wrestled with CPTSD over the years. I love the different angle you take and the way you deliver the information as not having all the answers because honestly, who does? I make music to help process through a lot of feelings and trauma but specifically post-traumatic growth-oriented tunes, stuff people can relate to and empower themselves with, not emotional pain body sort of stuff. I'll be coming out with more rock genre music this year, but in general, if you like any of my music and want to use it in your podcast, I'd love to collab on that since it sounds like we're putting in the same, pulled in the same direction. Anyways, glad I found your work and wishing you well. Somber mercy. And then they so kindly sent me over an email and a Dropbox link to a great many of said post-traumatic growth-inspired tunes. I'd love to share with one with you here at the end of this episode. And I also encourage you to check out Somber Mercy Music on Instagram. That's S-O-M-B-E-R-M-E-R-C is their handle. Somber 
Mercy Music. Thank you so much for reaching out and for sharing your work with me. I can definitely understand how these songs are relating to the processing of emotions and those old tea events. And I hope that everybody will uh, give you a shout out and a listen. Thank you so much and hope to hear more from you, Kim. Appreciate what you're doing and don't be a stranger. Thank you. So this email is a bit of a follow-up from the mailbag episode that we had in April. You might remember a fucker wrote in inquiring about how to begin trauma therapy when they realize that they get intensively triggered in a long-lasting and life-upsetting way, even from listening to this here show, because it starts pulling on those trauma strings. I gave some advice on how to maybe need to simplify life in order to jump into that deep therapy experience, and I received a really nice email back that I thought I would share with all of y'all. They say, Dear Jess, it's going to be hard to put into words how grateful and fortunate I feel about your latest mailbag podcast episode addressing my question. With the massive lack of self-worth that I have, I felt like I didn't deserve it, but it also filled me with an enormous sense of hope. You are such a generous person, and I value that so much in people. You help thousands or millions, I don't know, <laughs> fucker, not that many, and yet you find the time and space to answer one person individually. To me, that is gold. For not having the answer to my question, as you said, you provided the most comprehensive, carefully thought out, individual, and helpful set of answers I could possibly imagine. I'll try to keep this email short to be thoughtful with you as well, but I wanted you to know that I wrote down everything you suggested and want to think about these in a careful way, giving each one time and thought, since I appreciate all you said so much. Some of your ideas fell on very fertile ground, pre-plowed in some cases. I love plants and often think that I should start a garden or terrace design business. In a city where most people live in flats, I'm very good at helping people fill their terraces with plants and doing active work with gardening is one of the few things that really calms me down. The problem is that I'm really bad at organizing myself when I'm doing freelance work I'm also ADHD and not lightly, which ever since my last divorce has proven to be a serious disability with work. I had to take on consultancy work over the last two years to make extra money and lost one project due to not meeting deadlines and nearly lost another one for the same reasons. But maybe if the gardening thing is my only job, I could manage. The other idea is to go back to uni, online, like you, to do something in neurodiversity. My older son is also on the autism spectrum, although far more functional than my youngest one, and my daughter has ADHD. She got it from me, obviously. And that has made me very aware and frustrated with society being not only unfriendly, but also extremely harsh and excluding of people with neurodiverse conditions, especially in education. But again, with my ADHD, I find it really hard to study, and I fear that with my executive functioning issues, it will lead nowhere. On the other hand, teaching is easy for me. I don't do research anymore. It very soon revealed itself 
to me to be the worst possible career path. So I just do the teaching. But I struggle with the workload. Your podcast reply hit on a nerve that my partner has pointed at before and that I intuitively know to be true in this area. And of course, all the mindfulness and meditation ideas have been mentioned to me before by my friends for my anxiety-ridden life. But since the CPTSD diagnosis, meditation has been swapped by self-harm and even more isolation. So I really need to give some serious thought to these. I have one full day alone, Sunday, and most of Monday, but I normally end up working these days because I'm always behind. After listening to your reply, I decided to not work today at all and to bring the exiles out into the sun, love that phrase, as you suggested. This, for me, is a massive start. Okay, I'll cut it here. I'll go to the episodes you directed me to in the podcast and start the slow but steady process of not shutting down the exiled parts, shitless scared as I am. Thank you again for spending all that time helping a perfect stranger. You made her feel very special, heard, supported, and not lost. There's a quote that allegedly comes from Buddha, who knows whether it's true, that says, one moment can change a day, one day can change a life, and one life can change the world. That moment happened to me with your personal podcast reply. A huge hug. Some nice fucker out there. <laughs> all right. That one got me a little bit choked up. And thank you so much for all of your thank yous. And the delightful quote, you got me. You got past my protector parts. And now let me see what I can try to speak to with what you additionally outlined, my friend. So I can't go into this in super intensive depth again, but let me say that this sounds to me like an imbalanced system, right? You mentioned that even when you have time off, you still find yourself having to work and it's a bit of a struggle to keep up with everything. You also said that when you've been attempting to meditate lately, what you've actually been experiencing is self-harm and additional isolation instincts. To me, that sounds like protectors kind of running wild, right? It's those parts of our brains that tend to be rather harsh with us, and at least for me, they're the ones who really love the isolation because it means we have less that we have to fucking deal with each day if we kind of keep to ourselves and insulate a bit. Yeah. So you also mentioned that you had trouble keeping yourself on task when you've been charged with managing yourself. And that sounds to me like that's when your protectors have kind of maybe gotten exhausted and taken a step down and then your exiled parts take over and they kind of lose track maybe of time and deadlines and responsibilities. Or you could be having um, distractor parts that are popping up and causing you to disassociate. So you lose all sense of time, space, and reality. Um. And overall, it just seems like 
it's an imbalanced setup that you have where you're having to overperform in a lot of areas and then other aspects of you are kind of raging as soon as they get the chance to have that pressure taken off. They take over and then you are losing that like get shit done drive that otherwise is there to keep you and your family surviving. So to me, this seems a lot like your schedule maybe needs a revamp that is more aligned with everything that you're dealing with. Like there's so many over responsibilities in your work life, in teaching. Oh my fucker. Um, there's just so much stress and responsibility that goes into that and into taking care of children with neurodivergent needs and yourself in similar circumstances, keeping a relationship afloat, all of these things. And then when you've gotten a break from it and been doing your own freelance work, it's like your brain finally isn't receiving that continual pressure and danger signal. And that's when you kind of fall into the other brain programming bits that you carry. And you're kind of the complete opposite of everything that you've been forced to be um, for survival. So if there's any way to strike a better balance, I absolutely love what you were saying about getting into a line of work that you're more passionate about and um, that really helps you as well. It feels like it has a greater purpose, whether that's gardening, which you said really calms you down and, you know, gives you the fulfillment of adding life and beauty to other people's lives. Or if it's going back to school and learning more about neurodivergence and maybe integrating that with your history of teaching, perhaps you could um, be more higher up in an educational organization as someone who's kind of directing policies that would assist students with neurodivergence in order to create courses and other safeguards that help them to get through the environment that's not designed for them. Um, any of these things I think could be really great and beneficiary to you. Um, and if you were feeling less external pressure, kind of less driven into the fucking ground all the time, so you can get some of that healing done, you can get your parts all kind of on the same page, right? Get them in alignment, as the woo folks say, then I think you'll have less issues with the executive functioning and difficulty with studying and whatnot. Also, again, especially because it has a personal connection to you and more of a purpose, especially as you consider your children moving into this pretty traumatized and abusive world. So... I cannot speak obviously towards your resources or how feasible any of these big changes are. Obviously, they're huge transitions that would require needing financial assistance to go back to school perhaps or being able to float yourself for a while as you got a new business up and off the ground. 
But if they do seem potentially feasible in the future and you can start taking steps towards them, or if you are in a place where you can just take a big leap, I would honestly, cautiously recommend it. I want to say I wholeheartedly recommend it, but I don't want to tell anybody to abandon their career path and then find out that it wasn't the right move for them, of course. Um, I've just found it to be, for me, extremely necessary to be finding work that actually matches what is important to me rather than just doing work that technically keeps me alive. My brain just doesn't really um, allow me to be happy or to take good care of myself under those circumstances because it is so split, it is so resentful, it is lacking in self-care, all of these things. So I would push you towards figuring out what in your body feels correct and taking a lot of time considering it. Really working through what all of your parts are thinking and feeling and what they desire and see if you can't compromise with all of them and try to get them all on the same page. And when you feel like it's the right answer, you will feel like it is the right answer. You know, your brain won't kind of need to keep spinning it over and over again for me, it's kind of a lightning bolt feeling through the guts, and then my brain is done overanalyzing and obsessing about the potential options. It just feels like a decision is made, it is correct, and it is what I need to do. Given this takes a, a great deal of time and self-care and processing, stay in therapy I would recommend even bumping up your sessions, especially if you are able to lighten up the rest of your schedule. I would really use that time for recalibrating in yourself and deciding what is correct. Seeing if you can take some of those protector manager part strategies that are keeping your work afloat now and figuring out how they could be applied to other lines of work. Uh, or educational opportunities. Really just getting acquainted with your system through and through, noting its strengths, noting its weaknesses, and trying to use them to balance each other out and then come to a place where you feel self-confident and correct in what you are seeing and thinking and feeling looking forward. And hopefully with doing all of this, you will be able to engage those pieces of your brain when you need them while also allowing the other pieces of your brain to, again, have their time in the sun as needed. And that's what I got to say for you, fucker, in a briefer rundown. Um, if you do want some more personal help, hit me up and we can see if there's a way to maybe make that possible. But as for this here public show, those are some of the things that I'm picking up from your very excellent and detailed email. And thank you again for all of the kindness and gratitude that you extended back to some fucker on the other end of the internet. It's really appreciated, genuinely, sincerely. And thank you so much for writing in. Hope to hear back from you again.
Y'all right. This one comes to us through the t-mfrs.com contact form. And it says, hey, motherfucker, I was just listening through your season two DMN episode. That's the default mode network episode. And the part where you talked about how our memories and how we store memories is almost like we don't have a sort of inner chronology to memorize or remember all the sensory and somatic information of that time, such as sound, noise, smell, etc. I was just wondering, would journaling be helpful in this case for us? So say I went through another bad day where I freaked out or had a whole bunch of triggers and fear responses. Would it be better for me and my fragmented memory to actually write that stuff down since normally when I journal, I tend to avoid all those really bad CPTSD moments since it makes me uncomfortable and I'm afraid of reliving it? Would writing down about it actually help us process it properly and alleviate that reliving it aspect by condensing the memory from all the somatic shit to an actual functional memory memory? And what would I write about exactly? Thanks. Okay, my fucker, the short answer is, oh, hell yeah. Um, absolutely, that would help. So you're discussing our episodic, fragmented memories that often are very tied into sensory experiences. There's such overwhelming sensory inputs that they get fragmented as kind of a separate block of memories almost, like they're detached from the rest of our existence. They aren't really consciously sewn into one story that makes sense and adds up to one lifetime timeline. And therefore, we have these kind of patches of emotional and sensory experiences that we can accidentally tap into, usually when we really don't want to. And all of those things come rushing back at us as we re-experience them in the modern day as though we're going through the whole thing all over again. So when that happens, what a fucker tends to do is to disassociate, numb themselves out, distract themselves, try to move their brain in a different direction so that they're not swimming in that ocean full of turds. And they're also not getting sucked down into that ocean full of turds where we fear that we will never emerge from the depths again. So if you consider that these are like aspects of your brain that are kind of separate from each other, there's you, how you assess yourself across time and your kind of story about yourself and your life so far. And then separately, there's the less word-designed uh, version of things where you're also carrying around, you know, the internal reactions that actually took place. And if you can connect those two components of your brain, kind of connecting your left and right hemispheres, that does help a great deal. 
um, I used to be very, very into encouraging trauma narration and especially doing it through writing, which is simply to kind of force your brain to integrate that information so that it does fit into your larger storyline about yourself and your life. If you can kind of take a step back, like you know that the feelings are there, you've experienced them. If you can then kind of, instead of only experiencing them, name them and place them and then narrate it in words from a perspective that's a little distanced from the actual re-experiencing. So you're not forcing yourself to go through the entire reliving it experience, but you are almost like watching yourself having gone through it. That helps a lot to kind of kickstart the journaling process. Whereas otherwise you might get a bit lost in the details. You could actually completely trigger and re-traumatize yourself on accident, which is why I have stopped recommending trauma narration across the board. It can be a bit dangerous if you don't have the tools to reground and recenter yourself. But if you do have those things in place, you feel as though it is safe enough for you to kind of go through some of those somatic experiences on your own, then I do think that journaling is excellent because, again, it helps connect the two aspects of your brain, the sensory experiences and the wordy narration of what it all actually means. So if you can give meaning to it, if you can kind of simplify it into a story rather than this overwhelming wall of sensations coming at you, that does form it into an actual memory memory rather than carrying around those kind of flying neurons that are just lighting up your whole system and probably throwing you into some panicky responses. Again, it's not to say that any of that is easy or comes without challenges or dangers, but it is, to me, the first step in really kind of settling things, understanding what happened, and being able to place it so you don't relive it. You just factually know that it took place, and you don't have to keep going through the whole thing over and over again. Now, this is a practice that for some of us, and depending on where we are in our recovery journey, should just be reserved for the therapy office. Um, some of my early therapy experiences were sitting down, having my therapist help me get into almost a trance-like state, and then revisiting experiences from the past where she asked me to describe what I was seeing, describe what I was smelling, feeling, um, hearing, and what emotions were coming up in line with what I was observing. She then would end the session by helping me to come back into my body to realize that I am here in the present. I am not still back there in the traumatic set of circumstances 
and to get regrounded and recentered in my meat suit before she would send me out the door. So that's a very important aspect of trauma therapy as well. And I can't fail to mention that you may need a practitioner to do some of this work depending on where you are at. I am a self-therapizer for the most part, but even to this day, there have been things that I have not been able to fully touch without recontacting my therapist and asking for a little bit of like a spot treatment. Um, One thing really comes to mind, which was having to put my puppy Archie to sleep and everything that went into that shit show of a pandemic experience. I had to fully be walked through that with my therapist because it was causing sleep disturbances and emotional disturbances that um, were completely overloading to me doing it on my own. So yes, journaling absolutely helps, but also do not be afraid to contact a therapist Uh, establish a good relationship with someone who has trauma treatment experience and have them help you do this. But absolutely, the goal is to be able to name those somatic sensory experiences, to place them in a time in your history, to understand what happened and how it connects to your broader life story. And then your brain kind of kicks it out from being this little pocket of episodic recollection into just being a part of you that you know happened, you accept it, not to say that you appreciate it or you're just over it or it's inconsequential, but the sting gets taken out of it if you aren't having to go through all of the extremely uncomfortable and painful emotions wrapped around in it. If you were to start journaling, what I would recommend that you do is to be able to sit with the feelings first, to um, remember what happened, but not to dive into them. It's almost like you kind of lightly touch it just enough to be able to name what you are feeling or what you're remembering. You just barely, barely tap on that memory just so that you can say, oh, I was feeling scared. Oh, I didn't know what to do. I was absolutely confused. Oh, everything was happening so quickly. I remember seeing a flash of this and maybe, you know, feeling a texture of that. But really just trying to kind of You lightly touch on it and then you sort of transform it into just words of what it was. And in that way, you save yourself from diving headfirst into it, but you still kind of get the work done, if that makes sense. Um, And then I would recommend, as I've said, trying to tie that experience into the broader picture. It happened after this happened. It happened before this happened. The aftermath of this event has been these things happened. Like really try to piece together your own history 
which might seem rather foggy and fragmented before you do this work. But only do it if it's safe to do without a therapist on your own. Otherwise, reserve this work for the therapy office. Um, For a lot more information on this and a lot of prompts to help you along, you might want to check out some old episodes that are on the private stream, such as dealing with your emotions and any of the New Year's wrap-up episodes. Uh, We discuss kind of fitting events into your own history so that you can close the chapter You know, you don't have to keep rereading the same pages over and over again. You just kind of have a nice little bundled up summarized story that you carry with you so that you can stop thinking in the past and just take those things along with you as you move into the future, using them for your own best benefit. I hope that this has been a helpful response, which really comes down to, yeah, you got to connect those sensations to what took place or else that memory really has nowhere to go. It'll stay fragmented and disturbing. And I hope that this has been a helpful response, albeit a very brief and reductive one because there is so much to say. All right, my fucker, write in if you've got more questions. Jump into the private podcast stream if you'd like to check out those episodes that I mentioned. And uh, that's it. Thanks so much for your message. And I hope that this has been of any use to you, my dear fucker. (laughs) All right, my fuckers. I think that this concludes the extra long mailbag episode for this month, and I thank you so much for staying tuned. Also, for sending in those messages in the first place so that we could all get to know ya, get to hear about your journey, and uh, maybe get some of our own answers to questions we have vicariously. So thanks so much for sharing yourselves and writing in and sending over some kind words while you've been at it. If you have anything that you'd like to say or inquire about, go ahead and send it to traumatizedmotherfuckers at gmail.com, fuckers with an X instead of a U. You can also get in touch through the t-mfrs.com contact form, or you can try your luck hitting me up on the social medias. Again, keeping in mind, it's really not how I spend my time or energy or attention because it's bad for my brain, but I'll be there if you want to write in. All right, that's it, everybody. And finally, to round out this show, let's hear that song from Somber Mercy that I promised you earlier in the episode. Check it out. I hope you like it. I hope you like them. And go give them a follow and some support if you've got the time today. That's Somber Mercy. You can find them on Instagram or all over the internets. And thank you again, everybody, for your shares and your patience in me getting to all of them. Appreciate you so much, you the real motherfuckers. Hail yourself and cheers, y'all. I'll talk to you again real soon. Bye. Ten.
Plantation around us is crumbling and falling down.